Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Love Essie, the podcast. This is episode 41. And this week, I am talking about a book. Oh my god, guys, guess what? It's a book. No, I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) Imagine you're all like, pero like ma'am. No, I'm talking about Archangel Shadows, which this, friends, is book seven in the Guild Hunter series. Book seven yes this is where we are we are at book seven um and archangel shadows is the story of ashwini also known as ash or ashblade and janvier or you know the cajun is his other name and this book my friends who um oh boy many many emotions emotions overfloweth so as i sometimes do and sometimes don't do but i'm going to do this time i'm going to try to talk about the book you know without spoiling it in case you've never read it or you didn't get haven't finished the book yet or you know this is your very first time listening to the podcast you've never heard of nalini saying and uh, i am now introducing you to the world um so this like i said it's book seven in the series this i think isn't necessarily okay could you read this quote-unquote as a standard like could you jump into the series here i personally feel like in some ways yes because i feel like nalini always tends to do a very good job of giving you enough of the backstory so that at least for this book you kind you know what's going on whatever the conflict is for this book you know what's going on there may be things that have happened in previous books which would very much enrich the picture in this book or in the current book you're in but i don't necessarily think that you have to have started at book one to read this one and love and enjoy it that being said you know, saying all of those words. Um, at the same time, my friends, this book, if you have read the series, I think is also a book that you kind of sort of, but not necessarily, but should have read Angel's Pawn, the novella, before you get to this book. So if you've been reading the series, you haven't yet gotten to the novellas and you've been putting it off. If you don't, you don't have to read all of them, but if you can read Angel's Pawn before you get to Archangel's Shadow, I feel like you get such a bigger picture of what's going on. Because as opposed to some of the other, as opposed to quite often in romance, novels or whatever you know we meet a couple and we're either meet they're you know they're meeting for the first time so we're seeing their you know courtship from the beginning or it's a second chance and we get flashbacks in ash and janvier's case this isn't a case of second chance this is a case of two people whose long road to this point is filled with a lot of stuff that's going on let me how do i put this it's like when you are if you think about it in like a sense of a tv show like sometimes you jump into a tv show and there's this couple that like 
in episode one, they weren't together. They weren't even a couple. They were just two people. But you were watching and you were like, there's chemistry there. Is something coming? If something isn't happening with these two, there should be. And, you know, people start imagining things. And as the series progresses, you're like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Are the writers finally going to give us what we've been asking for? Are we finally going to get what we've been begging for? And then you're given like, boom. Now we're at that episode where the couple that you have been, you know, praying will get together is finally like, I guess we're going to acknowledge this and we're going to go. But there's so much that came before that if you jump into that episode, it's fine, but it's not the same. But it's not like a second chance where like they had a chance and things went wrong. And no, 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 it's not that. So i this specific book i feel like when you haven't read angel's pawn you may be missing some stuff i don't it's not like terrible like you're not like and now the reading experience is ruined because you never read angel's pawn and life is over no you can you still read the book enjoy the book for what it is but i feel like some of the depth of who ash and jean no no i was gonna say who ash and jean Vier are as people might be missing but no i feel like it is very clear on the page in this book who they are um, in terms of the kind of characters they are. I think that there's just, um, maybe it's just that feeling of like, finally we get to see what was hinted at in Angel's Pawn, what we wanted to see happen at the, you know, in Angel's Pawn and didn't get in that novella. Maybe that, that's what I'm thinking of, like, that payoff of, like... But again, if you're like, mm, I really don't want to, like, go read that novella or, like, I don't have time or whatever, whatever, that's fine. You can always circle back to it at a future date. I'm trying to remember, did I read the Angel's Pond before I read? I think so, because I'm pretty sure it had come out before. And I think by this book, I was already like, I waiting, you know, for it to come out every year. So just devouring all the other Nalini thing, Nalini Singh things I could find. So I'm pretty sure I had read Angel's Pawn before I read Archangel's Shadow. So it was just like, yes, finally. You know, not it has happened to me, but it has happened to us. We get the book. So, all right, trying to explain this book without spoiling it. Um, or it's a little less possible. This book, I find it really fascinating because it's titled Archangel's Shadow. We don't... I don't know... Well, never mind. I can talk about that part in the spoiler part. Sorry. Anyway, in the non-spoiler part, we've got this couple that, like I said, Ash and Janvier have been sort of dancing around whatever it is. The, what dancing around their feelings with Janvier being a little more like, mm, girl, like, can we do this? And Ash being like, huh, not ready, step back. Um, and that sort of changes in this book. This book is feels a lot more realish in some ways as opposed to paranormal because certain parts of this book, you know deal with paranormal things like vampires and archangels and the gross things that angels do and all of that where you're just like mm, yeah sure like I look out the window and ain't none of that shit happening ain't nobody flying in the sky nobody sucking blood you know none of that no desiccated money none, none of that 
But the other flip side of this book is um, the relationships that we have with our siblings that can be complex, complicated, layered, filled with, you know, the myriad of emotions and, you know, the love that you can have and also the sense of betrayal that you can have that is very different when it is a, you know, betrayal between siblings and as it is betrayal between non, you know, blood relatives, especially if it's siblings that you're close with. It's one thing if a sibling who you hated and hated you and y'all didn't know about each other until you were 27 or whatever the fuck betrays you, you're just kind of like, bitch, I didn't even know them anyway. Very different when it's someone who you've looked up to your entire life, um, may have even been, you know, almost a parental figure or on that level. And so there, that part of the book, I think, is beautiful, but feels a lot harder in that, like, that is very, very real and hard sometimes to be able to keep that distance in a way that you can with, like, the vampire archangel parts of the book. Because, again, we don't look outside our windows and see winged beings, uh, you know, outside of birds, um, winged people uh, floating through the sky or doing whatever, whatever. We do not have real vampires running through the streets, you know. Uh, we, we don't have that. So some of the things that can happen within that context can, you know, you can still be, like, emotionally affected by, but there's a distance there because it isn't literally real but the aspect of the book that deals with you know relationships especially amongst the quote-unquote mortals right which would be humans which would be uh, us that it's a lot harder to keep that sort of distance sometimes as a reader because these are things that can happen or have happened to you as a reader and so I mean, again, I'm also rereading these in uh, what they call interesting times, correct? We're, we're not reading these books during quote-unquote peacetime where everything is fucking hunky-dory and life is full of optimism and cheer and, you know, belief that all good things will happen. That is not the current moment we are existing in. And so... Some of the emotional, um, some of the emotional parts of this book, I think, hit harder. Or I, I, I'm speaking for myself, but I'm just saying, hit harder because life right now is not, you know, rainbows with, with you know, lucky charms and fucking unicorns and llamas prancing through, you know, cotton candy clouds. So it is a book that gives you such a a new, I feel like it gives us such an interesting insight into sibling relationships, um, what relationships look like between, you know, people who you don't expect to lose. And what that loss can do for you, right? Again, I think that when elderly people pass away, of course we are heartbroken. Of course it is heart-wrenching. 
but someone passing at 87, at 95, at 103 is expected, right? Because we all are born to die, da 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 Losing people either prematurely to accidents or to debilitating conditions or to mental health issues that cannot be cured or fixed or treated at young ages. That sort of reminder that your your mortality isn't ever is not guaranteed, right? That it can be gone at any moment. That passing of old age is not a given. Seeing that on the page can be both really difficult, but also really interesting. Um, And I say that because really difficult because, of course, it can bring up memories of those you have already lost in your life at too young an age for, you know, a myriad of reasons um, and can sort of, you know, make you go back into that place of like, oh, shit, I didn't really want to go here and now here we are and I'm not lacking it and I can't just pick up and leave, goddamn. But it's also fascinating in that it can sort of have you thinking of the ways in which you can or might want to navigate those kinds of situations. You know, figuring out how to potentially reconcile with loved ones, family members, friends, Um, because we don't know, you know, what tomorrow is going to bring, figuring out um, the many ways in which, because there's a moment where Ashwini mentions that something about not being able to forgive her brother, but understanding the reasons why he did what he did, Um, which I thought was really, really interesting because, It is very possible and, you know, that family can do something that can be the largest, can be a betrayal that you really can't ever come back from. But they aren't necessarily doing that because they're terrible, awful human beings, you know, a.k.a. Darth Vader. They're doing it because they truly believed that what they were doing would was the right thing or the best thing or could help and yet it doesn't it you know it can in fact be the opposite and so seeing that on the page um can i think in some ways help a reader sort of think through that that process for themselves it's not easy um there were definitely because i think what's really interesting in this specific story uh, when we think about elena and her relationship with her father jeffrey right when we first meet that man like i said in book one i was like well so why is this man not dead like i'm not sure why we haven't killed him yet i'm confused i need him to die 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 you know like and be dead deady dead dead and then as the series progresses and we learn about Jeffrey Devereaux, I was like, oh, 
I still don't like you. I still can't stand you. But I get it. I don't like it, but I kind of get it. The trauma that that man has, eh, I mean, Jesus. Jesus, it's it's not good. And so, in this case, right, we get so much more information and it makes sense in the scheme of the book that we get more information about Ashwini's brother and her family um and so we sort of are seeing like what oh that can look like in Elena and Jeffrey's case like the that betrayal you know between parent and child and just like both of them refusing to sort of work at it or work it out or, or anything and Shmini's case with her brother are, it is, they, you know, got to a point where they can, you know, be around each other. And yet what happened can never be erased, can never, you know, there are no apologies or actions, anything that can really turn back the hands of time, Right. The actions that took place took place and therefore they are the people they are today because of those actions. And it doesn't matter how sorry you are, you know, that's never, you know, changing. And so I thought as I was reading um, this one, I that was something that really sort of seeing both like what felt very like paranormal, not real of another world, aka, you know, my imagination, and then seeing what felt very real and very, very um, possible or probable or just, it wasn't, it didn't feel like, oh, some far off concept. It felt very like grounded in, in, you know, reality which I think is one of the things about this series that I think is really interesting that we are also seeing through the series and we I feel like we see it in this book, um, at least for me it feels very clear, how the, the question of mortality and living, you know, a mortal's lifespan, which is like 90 to 100 years max, um, and then, of course, the near immortals, which would be vampires. I mean, technically, everyone's a near immortal except for archangels. And even archangels, you know, can die. But like, ooh, so sorry. Like, you know, zero point zero zero, you know, whatever. But just seeing the different, the way that life is approached by those who are like, I'm going to be around for a couple of thousand years. And then the ones who are going to be like, I'm going to be around for a couple hundreds of thousands of years. And then the ones that were like, I'm going to be around for like 65 to 75 years and how the way in which they interact both with each other and with, you know, people on any parts of those groups and seeing how the introduction of Elena into this immortal group, right? Raphael is seven, how that introduction, right? is one of the reasons why we're at this book and seeing how that can influence and change the behavior, the thought process, the, you know, the fact that Raphael and his men 
now acknowledge and pay attention to things that they would never have seen or noticed until it was too late or just never would have cared because it always to them was oh but that's a mortal issue without really under without comprehending that like in this world all of this is in many ways linked and to not not necessarily to purposely ignore but to not see parts of that is then crippling in itself which is probably why we then see the levels of depravity and just like uh in the other courts that don't really have any sort of touch of quote-unquote mortality right because within this series you know we're not this you know this is where this is happening it doesn't seem to be happening anywhere else so it's a i think it's a really it's an interesting book i feel like in some ways it's really difficult i also think that they're happily ever after is both like oh they got it but also it's like She isn't cured. Ashwini is given a second chance and it's she's going to live her best and fullest life. But it isn't like, boom, we touched you and now everything is, you know, perfection. And that in and of itself is very much, you know, reality, right? Two people falling in love and being together doesn't mean, and now the world is perfect and everything is wonderful and nothing ever goes wrong. Like, that's not the case. And this, I feel like this book really just sort of reminded the reader of that, reminded me of, you know, yeah, they're together and they're going to be together through the good and also the bad. There are going to be difficult moments. There's going to be, you know, arguments and compromise. And because that is two people working to create the life that they want together. And that can't be perfect because that's, I don't want to say, I mean, it is impossible, but it's not real right so this this one was I enjoyed it but it also felt it felt heavy I felt it deeply um so yeah if you're kind of like I'm trying to really like escape the deep feelings this might not be the book for you right now I'm just saying but if you're okay with that please dive in it's um it's a beautiful look at a character who, from the moment I think I first read Ashwini's name on the page, I was like, ooh, I like her. I hope we get her book. And then we did. And her backstory is, is a lot. It's, it's very real. It feels real. It doesn't sometimes you read and i mean honor sounds like we love her but also honor is the reincarnation of ingrid who's been dead for over a thousand years 
that feels very paranormal. Just saying. Just saying. Elena, love her. She's now a fucking angel. Just saying. Just, just saying. You know, like, huh. I mean, I guess, you know, Makia is an angel. So in many ways, Ashwini is a very, very sort of real human character that I feel is so closely tied to quote unquote us, the reader. Um, so seeing her story is just, and her and Jean Vier, oh, the way that they care for each other. Because I, if you don't take anything else away from what I'm saying, Nalini Singh really loves showing us characters who care for their people, right? Both men and women. And when I say people, I mean both their friends, their extended friend circles, family, but then the people who they choose to be with, the level of care is so beautiful to me. Like, and it's not like, and all of it is true to character, each character shows their their deep level of care in ways that are true to them. Like, you don't ever feel like, oh, this seems a little like, you know, like, no. It's very much like the way Jean Vier cares about Ashwini and shows that. The way Ashwini cares about Jean Vier and the way she shows. It's very true to each of them, but it is beautiful to see it on the page these two people who like are not like I don't know I think it's also they're both very powerful fighters and and sometimes it's easy to think that people like that are just like I don't know unemotional or just like everything's like a lark or whatever but in this case, it's like, no, this this is a level of, you know, care and devotion and just being there for each other, which I really, you know, always, always appreciate when characters are like, I'm not only saying I love this person, I'm showing you and them that I love them in so many different and small ways. So... I think that's all like, I'm really saying without like really spoiling it. You might be like, well, actually, Esther, you spoiled a little bit. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to. It wasn't on purpose. I promise. I swear. So I'm going to pause here. And then when I come back, I'm going to talk about this, but with spoilers. It's going to get real, real, you know, spoilery. So if you don't like that, you might want to you know, skip, skip that portion. But if you cool with that, come through. Listen. Listen to me. Thank you. Okay, I'll be right back. All right, so I'm back and it's spoiler time for Archangel's Shadows. Yes, so if you don't like spoilers, maybe don't listen to this part, you know, or, you know, you can. It's fine. Spoilers are great. They give you insight, but they don't like spoil it. Or maybe they do. Do you know what I'm saying? Anyway. Ashwini, Jean Vier. What a couple. Um, I, so this book is really interesting, right? Um, I'm, I've mentioned this before, right? The Guild Hunter series, 
operates slightly differently or operates differently from for example the side changeling series in that every single book is not necessarily always a brand new couple in the case it for the series the books one through three were Raphael and Elena then we went off with Dimitri and Honor then we hung out with um Jason and Mejia then we came back to Raphael and Elena in book six and now in book seven we go to Jean Vier and Ashwini now that doesn't mean that we don't see everybody else they're in New York City we see everyone who's in New York City so we see Raphael we see Elena we see Dimitri we see Honor we have an appearance by Jason and Mejia um and we also see um we get more glimpses into Ilium and Aldon and Nasir and Raphael's mother shows up for an impromptu visit, which is like, imagine your mother-in-law shows up, but she's your mother-in-law who's like an ancient who's, you know, over, I think she's not like even 25,000 years old. I think she's 250,000 years old. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's what it is. So your mother-in-law, who you're pretty sure doesn't like you, just pops up. You're just like, oh, God. Um, so, Cal- you know, Callianne shows up. And so we do see other people. Um, and I think what's really interesting in this book, we also see, I've mentioned before, right, that the world building is very much driven by the characters we are with at the time. And so because we are with... Jean Vier, who is a vampire who's around 200 and change, but he is not. Um, when this book starts, he's clearly now working for the tower, but he's clearly getting closer and closer to being almost directly under Raphael 7 in a way that other vampires aren't. But we're starting to see that there's like Raphael, his seven, and then there's the men and women who are right underneath that. And we're seeing, you know, some of who we've met in previous, uh, we've either seen in a previous book or in the novellas that I keep mentioning. um, We've seen some of these characters before. So I'm pretty sure Trace was in one of the, we first, I think, meet Trace. Did we first meet Trace in Jessamy and Galen's novella? I think we do. I'm pretty sure that's when we first meet him. Um, so we see Trace again. Um, and we get to see a, the part of the world that we couldn't have seen with Dimitri because Dimitri is literally like the apex vampire, right? There is no vampire in the territory stronger than him, right? <laughs> He's even stronger than many angels, right? Dimitri's view of the vampire world obviously is colored by the fact that he has has so much power over per, all of them. In this case with Jean Vier, we're seeing the, the vampire world from someone who is strong but isn't, you know, someone who will, you know, discipline you. Um, so we are seeing different parts of this world. The same thing with Ashwini. She's another guild hunter. This is now the third guild hunter that we are, that we have a book of, right? The first was Elena, the second was Honor, and now we have Ashwini. But the, all three women are very different types of hunters, right? Elena was hunt, was and is hunter born. Honor really focuses, you know, 
has such a knowledge of the past, which makes sense uh, for who she is. And Ashwini, you know, has what some people would call the sight, the eye. She is able to see part pieces, parts of the future. She also has an ability where in touching you, she's able to see into your memories, your mind, which is great when someone, you know, is thinking about unicorn donuts, cats flying through fields full of, you know, sparkling daisies. Not so great when someone's a depraved killer. No, not so good. Not so good. Uh, and so we're, we get to see both mortals and vampires who are what you and I would consider like the regular people, right? They're not the the seven they're not you know like the most brilliant of the brilliant they're just regular you know vampires regular people some of them many of them down on their luck not doing great um sometimes because life is shit sometimes because they've made bad choices but we get to see a much more sort of we get to see a an experience a lived experience that in many ways, can be a lot closer to us as readers, um, even within, you know, the, the vampires, uh, we are, you know, we see examples of vampires and who have partners who are human, who they care deeply for, and so it, it feels, I guess, a lot more accessible in some ways, um, and so, of course, we have all of that. And then we have the backdrop of the fact that, like, Ashwini and Janvier, clearly, by the time we get to this book, this is not two people who are, like, just figuring out they like each other. It's when two people are absolutely, you know, almost positive that they love each other. But they, one or both, are holding back from you know the the declaration for whatever their reasons and um there which is why i said at the beginning like reading angel's pawn gives you more of the like the backstory of when clearly there's something there but i feel like in romance there's always that the realization that the characters have that like oh this isn't just someone i'm like physically attracted to this is someone who means something to me. This is someone who is more than just a hot person or more than just someone I want to bang once or twice or a bunch of times. This is, this is someone who matters. And so when we get to this book, because if you read book six at the very end, there's a brief mention of how like, you know, Ashwini was injured in, you know, that first massive battle with Li Juan and her troops. And Jean Vier is literally her nursemaid. And all the hunters are kind of like, so what, what's, what's happening between you two? You know, I can imagine that they're all like shooting the shit at the headquarters and being like placing bets on when, you know, the two of them are going to say that they're a couple or whatever. And harassing them like oh so like i came over to drop over soup and he was there like what's you know like i can i can picture that and so when we get to this book right these are two people who 
very much it's aware to everyone around them and on all levels to them that they are not just two people who are friends or who are attracted to each other. This is something very, very special. And yet there's very much, Ashwini is very much at the beginning of this book. We know she's like, this cannot happen. And from what we know of her as a character, immediately you're thinking, she's saying cannot. Why? Why is she saying cannot? And the reality, you know, ends up being that the women in her family have like, you know, a degenerative condition in their brain, which she doesn't find out till I think almost the end of the book. Um, It's almost completely assumed throughout most of the book that she just thinks it's like there just comes a moment where they snap and it isn't until um she has um an autopsy done on her sister that the she that and then it's compared with the autopsy done on her mother that it's like oh there is a, a tumor there um which probably means that this is something that all the women have had passed down but let me sort of go back to as we sort of start to get the the backstory of Ashwini um and one of the okay sorry I just had this thought Jean-Vier as a character his backstory is for an immortal quote-unquote a vampire is in many ways or in some ways very positive and I say that because Jean Vier um had older sisters I believe no he was the oldest he had younger sisters and Jean Vier becomes a vampire because he believes he's in love with a vampire and obviously wants to be with her and then like you know eventually realizes like like it was really only ever lust on her part and it probably wasn't real love it was more of an infatuation but by that point he's a vampire like you can't be like oh so I changed my mind like that's not how that works and as opposed to the other, you know, I mean, really the only other vampire story we've gotten is Dimitri's, right? And Dimitri's story is, like, the tragedy of it is just, like, gut-wrenching. So, with that knowledge, right, then we have Janvier, and Janvier, you know, becomes a vampire not for, like, you know the reasons kind of whatever but he ends up you know watching over his obviously his sisters then his sister's kids his his you know their kids kids you know and so he has this relationship oh and I think well if you've read the novellas we also you know um I guess the other example we have is uh Noel and he also has a tie to you know um, but I don't, it's not, no, it's not a tie to his direct family. It's the, oh, I think a mortal woman that he loved and she ends up with someone else, which I think is why he becomes a vampire. Like he's kind of like, well, she didn't choose me. So why not be a vampire? And then he ends up watching over her children and that whole line. And in this case, no, this is literally his siblings kid. So it's like, you know, all of that. And he's still in contact with them, like in this when we meet him in the series and so I not to say that like you know he's had this like wonderful perfect life but he doesn't have 
necessarily this like horrifying sort of tragedy in his um family history you know in the same way that i feel like you know like dimitri story is just so then and it was just something i was like oh yeah like he and so seeing we get by showing us that also right because he also could have just been like okay cool my sisters died her kids are you know my nieces and nephews died maybe i just but that's not the kind of man he is he's very much and so by showing it i feel like showing us that is showing us again that this is a man with a massive capacity for care and love and a massive capacity for care and love in the face of death because he's seen his mother his sisters his you know nieces and nephews pass away he is 200 and change so that's kind of inevitable then along comes Ashwini. And in this, he is very much like, when she goes, I go. There is no living with her not in my life. And it was really interesting because Ashwini seemed very much like, no, you have to live. And very, again, towards the end, she starts to realize that, like, just like she couldn't survive in a world without him. She can't really ask that of him. Because she even says, you know, well, you know, honor came back for Dimitri, right? Ingrid died and knew she had to return for her husband and does. So she's kind of like, you can't die because I need to come back. I'm going to come back after, you know, my brain goes whatever, or I can't keep the voices at bay and I just become, you know, crazy. And I need you to be here for me to find which I thought was really interesting that she was like, you know, please, like, wait for me to return to you. And he was kind of like, ooh, girl, um, nah, that's not, that's not it. Because <laughs> then he was kind of like, well, if that's the case, then I can come back too. But, like, I'm not staying here without you. Like, we're not doing that. I don't think so. And so, as I'd mentioned in the non-spoiler part, I think that the relationship between Ashwini and her siblings was i mean i have siblings so maybe that's also why it felt very you know like emotional and gut-wrenching because we understand that her brother did what he did which is putting her in that institution because he was hoping to keep her safe because her older sister his twin you know is the one going through the same thing she you know is it's like you're having the same sort of symptoms like she can see things and hear things and voices so if you're starting to show the same signs of that then that means that maybe this is what needs to be done to save you now unfortunately he's wrong right because he doesn't understand i mean i i can understand I can see myself not understanding at first if a sibling is telling me that when they touch someone, they can, you know, um, know parts of their, their history or their thoughts. And that is once you, the person who's going through it, can understand that that's what's happening. If you're a kid, let's say you're nine, you're 10, 12, and you touch, you might not necessarily even at first link the two, that it is when you touch exposed skin 
that you then get direct access to this person's innermost thoughts. So I can see how her brother believed, you know, because again, even though, even though we're in a paranormal world, right? They live in a world where angels and vampires and archangels exist, but they're human. And so the thought of these kinds of things is still very much like, no, that's for them over there. And we're not a part. And so that moment of knowing, you know, that what he has done is not something. It's something that could have completely destroyed her forever which I can't imagine the pain that he must have had as an older brother thinking that he had done the right thing to help save her and then finding out that no in fact what he had done you know came so close to completely obliterating her from the face of the earth kind of thing and then having his other sister his twin disintegrating degenerating and knowing there is nothing that he becomes like one of the top neurosurgeons in the country and there is nothing he can do to stop her descent and so when the final so there's the scene where they call the two the twins are together and they call her to the lovely place that she's staying at a twin sister um, that's taking care of her all these years. And she comes with Janvier and they spend hours together having a wonderful time because Tanu is lucid. That's the sister's name. And when she le- when Ashwini leaves with Janvier, she knows, and he doesn't realize at first, it's not until he- she tells them that they were saying goodbye, um, that they were making the decision to, you know, end the life that they had together because they couldn't see a world, a life without each other. And so Ashwini know and oh, I completely forgot to mention I mean spoilers obviously, but if you've read you know, her parents had died in a car crash. Car crash or plane crash? Plane crash, I think. When she was like nine. Um so when this happens, Ashwini is, in terms of biological family, basically completely alone, right? And it's a beautiful scene. It's also heartbreaking because as someone who, like I said, I have siblings, I mean, very, 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 very far back in the back of my mind, there's a knowledge that there could come a day when I'm the last one left. That they may have all passed on for whatever reasons, right? Illness, freak accidents, whatever, whatever. And that seems so sad and terrifying. And reading it felt very like, <gasps> you know, and being reminded like everything's fine, like, you know, family's fine. And just the, because I think for me, you know, I mean, it's a romance novel and we're reading and on one hand, Janvier and Ashwini 
and especially in the scene because at first you know it's not in they're driving and she's away from the institution and she breaks down and he isn't aware he's just kind of like why are you crying and she's like they're gone now and he that's when it clicks and he's like oh so this wasn't just a moment for us to hang out this was it this was them saying their final goodbye and um he is also a man who has had to say goodbye before so many times with so many different people in his life um which i think in some ways is a very interesting sort of underlying theme of this series in the sense that if you are immortal or immortal you know near immortal and you have ties to mortals you will always have to deal with and accept the reality of life which includes death you will have to accept that the people you love will at one day no longer be there there is no way around that there is no and i think that lijuan and her reborn is a reminder that even if you thought that you could reanimate said people, you cannot because they would never be the people you loved and cared for. They would be a grotesque abomination. And so what you have to do as a character in this world, but also in our daily lives, is accept that that time will come now between now and then it'll be filled or can be filled with such joy as you cannot imagine such love as you cannot fathom but you also then have to open yourself up to that which does mean when death is like hey girl i'm here there will be obviously unimaginable grief. And I do think that because we are, you know, living in a time full of thorns and um, spook, I was going to say spooky times, in a time of upheaval, in a time of unrest, in a time of vast, vast uncertainty reading about you know how death is you know that certainty and everything else is is not is like but then at the same time the beauty of seeing Janvier and Ashwini choosing to live a full life whether it lasts them one day a year a century um making the decision to love and be loved in the face of everything going on in and i don't want to say in defiance but just not not choosing to close yourself off and in some ways accept a living death because things are bad, but choosing to do 
to live that full, full life that will have the most highest highs and will have lows and the in-betweens and there will be moments where it's like, how, how could these things happen? That was something that I kept sort of in my mind, sorry, circling back to this, you know, realization, at least for me in this book, that to be with someone fully means also, you know, choosing to be vulnerable and understanding that there will be loss and that loss will bring pain. But if you don't accept that and open yourself up, then you you don't also get the love. You you just, you know, sort of live in between, not doing a whole lot. And there's like, it feels like this is sort of shown to us as the reader in different ways, right? There's another sort of tertiary character, I guess you'd say, um, Ransom. He's a hunter. He's friends with Elena and Ashwini and Sarah and um, I, what's her name? Honor. And when I believe, when the series first starts, we're given the idea or we're giving the impression that Ransom, you know, is how he would have in olden times been called a rake, a playboy. And yet by this book, you know, not only do we know that he's in love, but he, you know, he proposes to his librarian, which is everyone's kind of like, like Ransom is this like really hot dude who's a hunter with really long hair that, you know, gorgeous and like rides a motorcycle and is in love with a librarian. Like what seems like such a like, but it makes, I mean, it makes sense to me. Like, why wouldn't he love a librarian? She must be so intelligent. Anyway, um, and so there's just different mo- ways in which we're being shown how much making that choice to love openly in spite of how cruel life can be is re- can be, you know, it's its biggest reward regardless of how long it lasts, right? And so we see it with Ransom and his librarian, uh, is it Nairi? Nairi? Um, we see it with Janvier and Ashwini, Honor and Dimitri, Jason and Makia, um, Elena and Raphael. And one of the things that I think is really, so in this book, right, we've met Nasir, we're starting to get more and more sort of glimpses into who he is and Nasir basically at one point says that he's about to go like he wants to now find his own mate and he mentions it to Ashwini um and she's kind of like okay and he's like I'm ready to you know have this sort of secret games with that one specific person because he mentions how the men that he is seeing Right, Dimitri, who's like a father to him, Raphael, you know, um, Jason, and in, and now you know Janvier, he sees the way in which these men care for the women in their lives and what that means, and he wants that for himself. 
of course it is it going to look like any everyone else like it all of them are have different stories and I think what I think by the time I read this book I was like yeah I really need everyone else's book in the seven um because this is like fascinating and so we Nusir and Venom both have books Ilium and Audan still don't have books so in case you were like I can't wait to they're not here yet so you can slow down your reading in case you're like but I want it now because they're not they're not they're not out yet I'm so sorry um but hopefully we we fingers crossed fingers toes and butt cheeks crossed that we get them but it's um I feel like in so many ways, Nalini's showing us, you know, how making that leap, totally terrifying, but totally worth it. And also just like the many ways in which love manifests itself, right? Because there's also like the difficulties, not the difficulties, but you know, Raphael and his mother are trying to navigate a new relationship, which is fascinating. Like, how do you navigate a relationship with the woman who was your mother, but also the woman who, you know, went mad the last time there was a cascade and, you know, left you broken in a field. And like when we say broken, right? Uh, that's the other thing. I think um, sort of side tangent right we talk about how like the angels are or can you know regenerate from da, 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 da. but like what is also made very clear it's not like oh my leg was chopped off and it regrew in two days it's like your leg is chopped off and it will regrow and it will be excruciating and it will take time and like anything else you will have to re-strengthen that leg to what it was before it was chopped off so imagine if like you lost your legs, your arms, and like your spine was half ripped up. Now you have to regrow all of that. I was like, ooh, sounds so painful. Um, and so that part, I was like, oh. Because I guess it's also, you know, sort of showing like, I mean, we could make it like, oh, and then everything is easy. But that's not reality. That's not even within this paranormal world. It just ain't realistic, boo. It just ain't realistic. Um... So yeah, this this book I enjoyed, but also felt really difficult to read at times. And like I said, I think a lot of it has to do with the time period we're in. Um, because I don't remember feeling so emotional the first time I read it. But, you know, the world wasn't as like um, grim, dire, distressing. Um, but I also just... Seeing um seeing Envier. <laughs> is that their no, that is not their ship name because that's only one letter for um Ooh, would it be Jean Janish Janvier Ashwini Ash Ash John Ashvier I don't know why I'm creating a ship name for them. Like, they ain't a couple. Anyway, seeing the two of them, you know, come together and also make the decision to be together when the, you know, the assumption is that their time is limited, you know, that it could be 
you know, only six months that they have together was just like, oh, yeah, that's that's how you have to live. You know, they said they they mentioned over and over again, living life full throttle. And I was like, yes. Yeah, that's how you want to live life. Full throttle. Living it to its fullest. And um, that more than anything, I was like, I am choked up and I loved. But yeah, such a, such a, such an interesting book. And like I said, go back, read the novellas. You'll love them. Um, But yeah, I think that's all I have to say about this book. I don't think I have anything else. I mean, I mentioned, you know, the whole. The way that they show care and oh, just so good because like she gets him like he has two sword things called cool i don't remember what they're called uh but they go in this shoulder holster sh- wow shoulder holster that he wears on his back like in an x formation and then it like breaks and she's all like he's like yeah i'm just gonna have to get it from some like rant not rando but someone else who isn't as good as deacon because deacon sarah's husband is like brilliant at this stuff and she's like or you could get the one that i ordered like a while ago for you and he's like it takes like a year to get on this list and she's like not for hunters and he's like i'm not a hunter and she's doesn't say anything but it is clear even then it's like but you are hers and he is yours right and so of course deacon would get you you know what you needed for your man y'all haven't declared it yet but like are we dumb no we know what's going on we know what's happening we know what's happening here um and just like him having gloves for her because he knows that she always forgets them but then her hands get cold like just little things but those little things add up to just uh, perfection really truly um, uh, but yeah, I think, yeah, that's all I got for y'all. Um, I'm going to pause here and I'll be right back. Okay, so for next week, I pretty sure I can get y'all an episode but I am going to be traveling, so it might be shorter. It might not be. I don't know. But I just wanted to, like, you know, let you know in case you're like, e, what is these? Um, but, yeah, just wanted to put that out there. Um, if I can put a regular length show, it'll be Archangel's Enigma, which is the next book, book eight. If I can't put out a full-length show, it'll be on something else. Maybe a novella. Which one? I don't know yet. But one of them. Uh, but yeah, that's all I wanted to mention. Have a wonderful week. You know, it's depending on where you are in the world, it's fall or whatever the opposite of that is. Spring, right? On the other side, I believe. Yo no sé. Um, so take a moment and go out there into the the outside and you know stand by a tree that either has leaves that are starting to show up or leaves that are falling and saying bye bye see ya wouldn't want to be ya 
um, and like, you know, just take some pictures of yourself or the tree or both. Do it. Do it. I say this only because I sometimes forget to take pictures of myself and then later I'm like, huh, I didn't, I didn't capture the moment even for myself. And you don't have to capture the moment to like post it anywhere. Capture it for you. For you to look back on and think, what was I doing on that October morning, evening, afternoon, midday, dawn, night? What was I doing? And then you look at the picture and you'll know. Anyway, um, that's all I got for y'all. And uh, take care. Be great. Uh, hit me up on Instagram or the fuck oh twitter jesus look see i forgot um yeah hit me up on twitter or instagram and have a great day all right bye